Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hi, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited about today's episode because not only are we, of course, talking fashion, but there's going to be quite a bit of science in today's conversation because my guest is Dr. Liza Egbuga, and we are talking about the health connection between our footwear and our moods, our hormones. It's not just about achy joints and backs and knees. It is so fascinating. Apologies if you start to look at your footwear a little bit differently, as I did by the end of this conversation. And I love that this is our second medical professional who's also a fashion designer back to back. So interesting. Let me tell you a little bit more about Dr. Liza. She is one of North America's leading body and posture experts and the founder of Dr. Liza Shoes and Bags. She is a celebrity manual osteopath, chiropractic doctor and a prominent health and wellness contributor to various TV shows and publications. She's also quite celebrated with awards. In 2017, she won Afro Global's Science and Technology Award, was named one of the 150 Extraordinary Canadians in 2018, and one of 24 Most Influential People of African Descent in Business for 2019 by the United Nations. No big deal. And she was also honored with Women of Inspiration's Innovator Award in 2019. She is a font of information about how what we wear impacts our body in a very meaningful way. Let's get to the conversation. Liza, thank you so much for being here today. I am legit so excited for our conversation today. I am very excited as well. (laughs) So I love to start all of these podcasts by asking everyone the same question, because I believe that all of us who love fashion, those of us who, you know, choose to work in fashion, have a moment at some point in our lives where we realize that clothing, this thing called fashion, has more power or it's a tool that is more than just protection from for our skin and bones to cover ourselves from you know the rain the sun the sleet and I'm wondering if you have a moment when you hearken back through your you know childhood or teenagehood when you realize that that when you realize that fashion was more than just cloth on your body so I mean I may be dating myself with this but we grew up in a time where people still dressed up to travel and my parents put a big emphasis on our travel outfits. Like everything had to be perfect. And they explained to us that what we wear is going to affect the process in traveling, is going to affect our treatment on the plane, and therefore we have to dress properly. So we were probably the most dressed up family whenever we traveled, and we traveled a lot. So from... I would say probably around seven or eight, that's when I realized, oh, the way that we look, the way that we dress, the things that we put on can affect the way that we're treated by the world and the way that other people see us. And as a Black family, our family stress how important it is that we you know, dress a certain way, we travel a certain way, everything must be put together in order to be treated a certain way. So from a very young age. And very much like that, and you're talking very much about how it's, you know, an outward perception, like you're dressing, you know, not only for yourself, but like for an exterior perception of how people will perceive you. 
Yes, absolutely. Because that affects how people treat you, right? Like first impressions are everything. And our first impressions are really based on what people look like. hundred percent. So, you know, you have this amazing medical practice as a chiropractor and a manual osteopath. When did you decide to bring shoe designer into the fold of what you were doing? Give me a little bit of your story about how you got from, from doctor to designer. Yeah. So I've always loved fashion. I've always been very passionate about fashion, but I had never thought about being a designer. I took one class on fashion design in high school and that was it. But probably about a decade into practice, One of my patients who was a design director at a leading retail company just came in and said, you know what, Dr. Liza, you are going to be the one who's going to create a high heel that us fashion girls can actually wear because she'd been seeing me for for years and I treat the issue, fix the issue, but then the issue would come back because she was wearing the shoes. And she's like, well, then recommend heels that I can wear. I'm like, I can't recommend any heels for you that you would actually wear. And that's when one day she's just like, enough is enough. You need to design them. And that is when I became a designer. (laughs) (laughs) So before that moment in your practice, what were you seeing and what were you, what were you treating? Like, was she an anomaly in terms of like the shoes being part of the challenges that were leading to her coming to see you as a chiropractor osteopath. What were you seeing in your practice that also kind of twigged this? Because she sounds like a very powerful client that she spoke with great authority, but was it just her one word or were you seeing other people who were suffering similarly? Absolutely not. So probably in practice, especially in those first 10 years, I would say more than half the patients who are coming in to see me, so we're talking about thousands and thousands of people coming in to see me, where the issues that they're facing actually stem from their footwear. So whether it was foot pain, ankle injuries, knee pains, a fall because they were wearing stilettos, back pain, hip pain, it stemmed from their footwear. So over those 10 years in practice, one of my main tools for helping people body actually returned to their previous function or even improved function was to recommend other shoes or make custom orthotics for them or modify their shoes so that they weren't damaging their body. And even myself, I, you know, when I went into practice, I always dreamed of wearing heels every day. Like that was going to be part of my doctor look. And I couldn't find heels that I could comfortably wear all day and genetically have horrible feet. So When she said that, it really did click because most people need to have good support and good footwear in order for the rest of their body to function well. And it doesn't matter what type of treatment you do, what type of exercises you do, if your feet, which are the foundation of your body and essentially your support system, are not supported, then that causes turmoil, misalignment, and dysfunction in the rest of your body. And when you would tell your patients that their footwear, I'm assuming they were they were women who were wearing high heels because that's what they loved, that's what their profession demanded. And you said, my friend, as your doctor, I really recommend you changing your footwear. What sort of reaction would you get from people? 
Well, mostly it was that's actually not an option. As you know, being in Bay Street in the financial district, it's essentially a dress code. So I'm not wearing heels because, oh, I just have to wear heels. You know, it's my job. It's the look. And it's what I have to do in order to succeed in my workplace. So give me another option. Figure out how to modify these heels because I have to wear heels for work. And when I go out, I want to wear heels to look good and feel good. It's, you know, part of who I am. And if I have to suffer and then you fix me each time, then so be it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? And it'll keep you in business. There we go. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So when you decided, when you took this like moment with your client, you're like, okay, you know what? Shoe designer. I could do that. How did, like, what happened then? Like, how did you begin the journey of, of, of being a shoe designer? Because I think, you know, when you are an apparel designer, there's a certain, we all kind of know enough to be dangerous, you know, like you could get a sewing machine, you can make your own, um, you know, uh, patterns, you could experiment with creating your own dress or pants or, or, or tops, but shoes are a whole different category. So how did you begin that journey? Absolutely. So my, you know, my background is in science. My undergraduate degree is in pharmacology. I had a doctorate, so I was very familiar with research, right? So when I approach anything, I approach it with research first, and then I take that into action. And so I did the same thing when it came to designing a shoe. Now, I know the anatomy of the body. I know how the body works. I know what needs to go in the skeleton of the shoe because I've already been making custom orthotics for patients and modifying orthopedic shoes for over 10 years. So now I really just have to learn, like, how are shoes made? What's the anatomy of a shoe? And then research is also finding the right people to help you produce what you want to produce. So I pretty much look at it like if you're, you know, developing a purpose, you have to do your research, you have to learn about it, and then you find the right people, the right company, and then there you go. That's how I started Doctor Shoes. You make it sound so simple. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, it's when you think about the human body, it really doesn't get more complex than that. So when you have, you know, you, all the nerves, all the arteries, all the muscles, all the connections, how everything works, the neural pathways, when you look at that and then you look at what needs to go into a shoe and designing a shoe and the number of components, it actually is, you know, much simpler in comparison. So coming in with that anatomy knowledge and really kind of that, like yes. set you up for a certain like keen understanding as to what the shoe would need to do. Absolutely. Because when you understand how the body works and you have something, shoes, which are meant to actually support the body, you already know what the body needs. So you need, you know what needs to go on that, that foot. You understand the anatomy of the foot, but also alignment, the entire body and what needs to go into that shoe to provide what the body needs because you understand what the body needs. So we've been wearing, I mean, I love a good pair of heels. I love a Dr. Liza heel better, but I love a good pair of heels. <laughs> um, what is it about high heels that make them so 
detrimental? Like what is, what is, or, or, or maybe I'll phrase it differently. What is happening in and to our bodies when we wear high heels that makes us have this, I think most women might say they have a love hate relationship or, or anyone who wears high heels would say they have a love hate relationship with yes, heels. And that's the reason is because it, alters your body's alignment. So once you put on a pair of high heels, your body tilts. So more pressure is put on the balls of your feet. The ligaments at the front of your knees become strained. Your pelvis tilts. There's compression in your spine. And this happens as soon as you put on heels. And that's just talking about the chain effect on the body. But then we talk away, talk about the way that most heels are designed. And they're designed for what you know the design industry calls a woman's foot. The problem with that is what they are designing for a woman's foot doesn't really fit for 90% of women. That's anatomically not what our feet look like. And even if they do look like that, they may look like that at 18, but then as we get older, we have some foot play, they get a little bit wider in certain places, we lose some of our fat pad, but those shoes are designed for like an 18-year-old foot in about 10% of the population. So that compresses the foot. It causes issues like bunions, hammer toes, claw toes, because now you're forcing the foot to be in a shape that is not natural for our anatomy. And is there anything else happening to our body? Like when all of that, like that sounds like compression, that sounds like pressure. It sounds like, I mean, I know when I put on a pair of heels that don't feel good, like I don't feel good anywhere in my body. Is there anything else happening to us when all of that foundational muscle and fascia and bone gets compressed that way? Well, so the first thing you feel is pain and discomfort. So when we have pain and discomfort in the body, that is our body says, oh my gosh, we have a problem here. There's an injury. So we're going to send out all these cells to help fight and heal. And this is where we get something called inflammation. And now when the body goes and it's trying to fight something or fix an injury and it happens and you keep doing it and it's for a long period and you don't take away that stimulus that's causing it. It's like, oh, so we're just going to keep sending these cells. And that's when people can get chronic inflammation. So even though it may have just started like, oh, my feet were sore after a night out, but then the next morning you feel sore all over and you're probably like, oh, it's just, you know, it's I was out late, but it could also be that you triggered that inflammatory pathway in your body. And now it's not just about inflammation in the feet like that. Those cells are running throughout your bloodstream and you might, you might have a headache. Your back might feel sore. Your knees might feel sore because your body just kept on sending these cells because it told you, you are in pain and yet you're still wearing the thing that's causing you pain. So we're just going to keep sending those cells and now you have too much of them. And then you have all this inflammation in your body. So I get why we have the hate part of the relationship with heels sometimes. And I mean, they look, they can look great. They elongate the form. Is there anything happening physiologically that makes us love them? Like, is there anything like besides the pain and inflammation, is there anything happening, you know, from a neuroplasticity or from a mood point of view that is making us like put up with the pain because it's giving us some sort of like boost somewhere else? 
Well, number one, science says that we look more attractive when we wear heels. So because we are lengthened, we're more open, we look more attractive. And human instinct is we want to appear more attractive. So that's number one. But not only that, it changes your positioning, making you taller, tilting your pelvis and making you more open, which means that your body is going to produce more testosterone. Because when you have more height, when you're open, your pelvis is tilted, your body says, oh, I'm going to produce more testosterone. Mm -hmm. And testosterone is the hormone associated with confidence. So that confidence boost that we feel when we're wearing heels, it's literally from our hormones. Like our body is giving us actual hormones to make us more confident. And that's why we feel so great, so powerful. Like we can take on the world when we're wearing heels. So our body is literally giving us the love-hate signals, which is why so many of us continue to wear heels that might not feel great, but we feel great, but they might not feel great, but we feel great. Yeah. And that's why it's a bit toxic because we're getting all these good signals while also doing all this damage. And that's why we keep wearing them because even though you know, most heels are painful and uncomfortable. You try and weigh the risk and benefits because our body's like, oh, but you look great. Oh, look, you feel confident. Like you're powerful. You can take on the world. Yeah. And then society also says the same thing because women who wear heels make more money, are more attractive to the opposite sex. So those are all things that we look for in society when, you know, and that's one of the reasons why heels are so popular. So I want to pivot back to your 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 business of being a shoe designer a little bit. So you've decided to to embark on shoes. You found a factory. How many like did you start with just one shoe? Like what's your evolution as a as a designer been and how much did you learn from your clients? I, I assume you kind of had this like beautiful focus group of like the people in your practice who could slip on the shoes and you could get all sorts of amazing kind of feedback and understanding from. Yeah. So I started out with just one shoe because originally when I started this, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to have one great, perfect heel, classic pump that we can wear. Like that's the only yeah. shoe I'm going to do. And it'll be amazing. All of us will have a high heel that we can wear every day, a daily, a daily heel. And then when those took off, I tried to form relationships with my customers because I wanted to, you know, I was doing the customer service back then. So I wanted to, you know, form relationships. Like they became like my Dr. Liza friends. And then they start asking, they're like, okay, now we have the perfect higher heel. Like it would be great if we could have a lower option too. I'd be like, sure, bet, I'll do that. And so I did that. But they're like, you know what is also a problem? Finding flats that are actually flattering and comfortable. I was like, done, I'll get that for you. And they're like, I also need an ankle booty. So then I would start designing based on things that my customers were asking me for. And the reason why I knew what they wanted is because I formed relationships with them. And all of my shoes, they all have a name. They're actually all named after a customer. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> immortalized, immortalized in designs forever. So I am now reflecting on my closet full of shoes. How do I know what shoes are good for me and what shoes I should maybe consider not wearing as frequently or maybe retiring together? Like what is the, because it sounds to me like what I hear you saying is that literally how we feel in our shoes 
impacts how we feel from a health and wellness point of view, physiologically, neurologically, like it is not an article of our wardrobe to devalue or, or, or pass over as literally a, a health foundational item. Yeah. It's the most important thing. Like I always say, there's two things that you need to invest in and that's your footwear because that supports you during the day. And then your mattress, because that's what supports you at night. Like those are the two things you never scrimp on. And when it comes to picking the right footwear, our body already has a signal for that. And that indication is pain. Right. So if it feels, if it feels painful, then that's number one, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be wearing it. Number two, we look at something called the pitch. So that's the, essentially the height or the angle that your heels in. If it's over three inches, it doesn't matter how comfortable you find it. Your body's not going to respond well because now it's altered the posture so much that it will cause damage. So if you love your five inch stilettos, you love your platform, you love all of those, but they're over three inches, no matter how comfortable they are, it's not great for you. And then when it comes to flats, shoes that are, that are not heels, there's certain tests you can do. Like if you can easily twist a shoe and bend the shoe, you're not getting enough support for a concrete world. And therefore those shoes will feel comfortable. But six months later, you'll be in my office with some kind of injury, whether it's your knees, your back or your hips. So that's a twist test for those type of shoes. And then when it comes to heels, yeah, if they're pointy, they look so cute, but they're going to deform your feet. So no pointy shoes either. (laughs) What have you learned about our relationship with fashion in your medical practice. Like, because I just, I can't help but think about all these clients coming in and it, you know, literally the root of the issue sometimes being the shoes on their feet. How, how does our, our health and what we wear intersect? What have you observed? Well, I found that in a lot of times we're our own worst enemy and we're creating damage giving ourselves pain, changing our quality of life, just based on the choices we're making for what we're wearing. So number one is absolutely footwear. But then there's other things. You know, you have women who are wearing tight corsets where they cannot fully breathe. And this leads to things like having pneumonia when you're sick because your lungs can't fully expand. It leads to things like anxiety. Or, and it's not just women, like men have suit jackets that are too tight where they can't expand their arms and just getting in and out of them has caused shoulder injuries. So, so often, oh, and then let's not forget about bags, which is why I designed bags as well, is a huge issue I was seeing is from carrying your purse or your bag on one shoulder, you would give yourself functional scoliosis, which is like a functional curvature of the spine because your body's trying to keep that bag on your on your shoulder. And it was just astounding how many issues people came in with seeking treatment simply based on what they were wearing. And the big fix for the problem was changing what they were wearing. 
You're reminding me a little bit of a conversation I had last season on this podcast with Meredith Shaw. And we were talking about, you know, she's one of her, you know, amazing, you know, platforms is talking about, let's take the emotion out of sizing, like whether it's because it's all random anyway. So whether you are a two or a 12 or a 22 or an, you know, triple X S or a double XL, it doesn't matter. Like the clothes are meant to fit us, but we can get so wrapped up in the judgment we place on this numerical number that nobody even sees. Like no one knows what size of, you know, pants you're wearing, you know, do we see that in footwear? Like, do we, do you see people getting kind of set on a judgment about what size of shoe they wear? Absolutely. So the same way that society, you know, expects women to be a certain size and they, you know, we are sent this messaging that smaller is better. The same goes with shoe size as well. So if, you know, a woman has to go up in size, they find that an issue. If they have to get a wide shoe, they're like, oh my gosh, no, I'm not a wide. And then like you having a wide shoe has nothing to do with the size of your body. It's, you know, we all have different shapes of feet. Some need a wider, wider base. Some need a narrower base, but women are still hung up on this with not wanting to buy the wide option of shoe, even though that is what fits best because of the word wide. And they don't want any association with their body and wide. And that's messaging that we really need to squash because that's just what fits best for your feet. It doesn't matter what, you know, what size it is. It doesn't matter if you're a size 11. I mean, I go up to size 13 with my shoes because you know, the shoes are for everyone and you need to have a good fit. But yeah, unfortunately with footwear, women still still do get hung up on shoe size. I was speaking to a woman who owns the spin studio that I go to every once in a while. And she was saying that the most popular size shoe now for like clients come in, they rent the shoes is uh, for women is the size 10. And, you know, people kind of come in and they apologize. They're like, oh, I have big feet. I'm sorry. I need a 10. And she's like, it's the most popular size. I mean, who cares? You're coming to sweat in a spin studio, but you know, have our feet gotten bigger? Like, or are we just emotionally invested in being smaller? Well, no, I mean, our feet have gotten bigger because we've gotten bigger, right? Mm -hmm. So over time we've gotten bigger, we've gotten taller. And so you would expect the shoes to also get bigger, you know, back in the day when they were, had sample sizes for shoes for models, they were size eight. But now when I do photo shoots, most of the models are actually a size nine and a half or or 10, right? So I make my sample sizes in a, in a size 10. So it's, yeah, we've, we've gotten feet bigger, our feet have gotten bigger, and therefore we should be making shoes that go bigger. I'm shocked when I see, you know, brands that stop at size nine or size 10 for women because, you know, you're missing out on all these women who are now, you know, size 11, like our size 11s always, always sell out. Do you think that we can be as focused on our work, our goals, our relationships to the fullest extent of our abilities if we're uncomfortable in something we're wearing? 
Absolutely not. So remember how we talked about when you're in pain and then your body sends all those cells? So it's like the it's like your body is fighting a battle whenever you have pain. And there's so much energy, right, that goes into fighting that battle. So that's brain brain energy, that's your blood cells, those that's everything fighting against this intruder. So if you take all this energy, then that leaves less energy for the work that you're doing, the exercise you want to do, you know, enjoying anything because your body is literally fighting a battle. So why do you want to give it a battle to fight? It takes away from all the other things you should be enjoying and enjoying yourself. So it sounds like I, which I think is like, you know, everything is connected. That's something we've been, you know, talking about, I think as a society for so long, but it's not just that there's the distraction of pain, which absolutely there is, but it sounds like it's actually more of a constant physiological loop. Like, you know, all that fascia, like what is the role of fascia? That's something, uh, you know, that you've mentioned before, what's actually happening in our feet when everything is is condensed in a shoe that doesn't fit properly. I mean, well, fascia is fascinating. It's this connective tissue that supports throughout our body. So just think about webs or think about like the internet or all the areas that it's passing. That's what fascia is in our body and support. And one of the thickest bands of fascia that we have is actually in our feet called our plantar fascia. So when you hear about people talking about plantar fasciitis, the foot pain that they have, it's referring to inflammation of that fascia in the feet. So when you think of your feet having one of the thickest bands of fascia, and that fascia acting like this network that stores everything, supports everything, and you have inflammation starting there, you absolutely cannot expect that inflammation to stay there if it's a network. That inflammation is going to go other places too. And since it's like a storage neural area for your body, it's also going to affect the capacity. You know, you might forget more things because your body now is storing so much stuff there. You're taking up space with all this inflammation. So now it's affecting all these other areas and your body's like, oh, we don't know what to do with this. And that's going to affect how you think, how you work, and the hormones that are produced as well. Because if you have more inflammation, you're going to produce more cortisol. Cortisol is your stress hormone. If you're producing more cortisol, you're going to have more symptoms of depression, more symptoms of anxiety. So now there goes your mood. And it's not about the pain. It's literally about this cascade of events that have started in your body because of what's happening in your feet. That's rendered me a little bit speechless because that it's like the, the, it's not just about the physical discomfort. It's about the, how did you phrase it? Like the neurological. Yeah. It's an impact on your body. Like our body has so many systems and one of the biggest triggers for most of the issues that we have today is inflammation. So to purposely cause inflammation in your body, why would you do that? (laughs) Especially with your shoes. And what kind of feedback then, because my mind is being blown a little bit here, because it's not just about, oh, the shoe doesn't fit. It's like the shoe isn't fitting. So like it is, it's impacting things physically, neurologically, hormonally, like that's a whole like kind of flooding, I would imagine of our whole body of like, things are not working. I can only focus on one thing at once. Like I'm not going to be doing my best work at work maybe, or maybe I'm forgetting things. Maybe I'm a little bit more irritable. Those are all kind of the side effects of what I'm kind of, if I'm understanding you correctly of when our body's not in alignment, literally, literally. 
Absolutely. And that when you say being irritable, you know, any woman who has, if a woman is kicking off her heels to walk barefoot in the street, you know, she's in a different state. You know, her mental state has been altered. Like that's not just about pain at that point. Like for you to make that decision to walk barefoot on a street, right? So true. Yeah. Like obviously you're not using all the areas that you would normally have access to. It's not just about the pain. So much more goes into those decisions when you see things like that. I also can't help but think, as you know, you were saying at the beginning about how, um, you know, when you would go to travel, your parents would say, you know, we, you know, our dresses, you know, we dress for ourselves and for, you know, uh, you know, being out in the world. How did footwear, what, what's your history with footwear as it pertains to that? Well, when it comes to the shoes that you wear, you know, there's all these things. There's so many things about you can judge a person by their shoes. And that's something that we do. And me personally, I know that if I am wearing heels, I am treated much better than if I were to be wearing flats or sneakers. And, you know, that's the effect our shoes have. People look at your shoes and, you know, that's part of our first impression. We judge people based on on their shoes. So that whole adage about, yeah, you could tell everything about a person by looking at their shoes. In many ways, that's as a society, that's what we see. And that's why we are so judgmental when it comes to people's shoes. It's just such, you know, you're, you're in such a unique position of debunking and breaking so many fashion paradigms about, you know, small is beautiful and, you know, being a slave to fashion. Like I think of so many instances personally, and I know from talking with, you know, the other people in my life about how we have squeezed into something or forced our body into a dress, a pant, a shoe, a suit and felt uncomfortable, but did, but did it anyways. And I hear you like just wanting to bust all of that wide open and flush it down the toilet. And I do because, you know, we only have one life to live and I truly believe we should make the best of it and enjoy it as much as we can. So purposely inflicting pain on ourselves when we, you know, we have, we don't know how long we're going to, to be here. What do we want to have the most comfortable, most enjoyable time in our bodies and take care of our bodies so that we can be here longer, have mobility, have function. So when it comes to what we are wearing, you're not just making a choice for what you look like. You're talking about your physical, your mental health and your longevity. It's about body, proof, you know, future proofing your body and your longevity. People take supplements, people exercise. Yeah, you have to think about your fashion as well because those are just as important. You you mentioned mental health there and I'm wondering if you have an anecdotal story, you know, from from a patient or or maybe even yourself where you can really connect the dots between I was feeling this way my mentally, my body was feeling this way physically and because I changed my footwear what happened to those other, to the preceding, you know, mood or, or physical feelings? Like, have, have you ever seen like the impact of proper footwear on someone's, on someone's life? 
I mean, that's something that, you know, I've seen my, my entire career. But one thing I was not expecting is to get letters from customers who I've never seen or met before, where they write about, you don't understand. When I tell you that these shoes have changed my life, I feel like I'm 20 years younger. I can wear outfits that previously I had stopped wearing because they can really only be worn with heels. And, you know, to be like, I think your shoes fixed my plantar fasciitis. You know, my relationship with my husband is better. Like he sees me running around in heels and I'm happy. And he's like, you're like a new, you're like a new person, right? Because it's not just about the pain. Yes, you're comfortable, you're supported, your issues are gone. But that joy and light that you have is not just because you look good. It's because your body's like, okay, we're happy that you're taking care of us. And those emotions of you feeling joy and almost euphoric because you're in comfortable shoes is because it's you being like, yes, I look good and I feel good. But your body also saying, thank you for stopping the inflammation. Thank you for doing something good for your body. Thank you for appreciating me. And that reflects in people's aura. And so when they say they're, it's life-changing, they don't just mean from like a fashion standpoint. It's like from a physical standpoint, from a mental health standpoint. It's like, this is what I needed in my, in my life. And I see what I was doing. Well, and I'm glad you made that distinction about, you know, bringing in the physical part, because I think sometimes it's, it's easy for people to often attribute it all to vanity. Oh, you just like how you look better. So like that, it like, it like vanity can kind of cloak that feeling of lightness and joy that can come from, from dressing. So the fact that you can connect it to something physically happening in our body, like the diminishing of inflammation is part of what helps lift our moods. Absolutely. And you know, we shouldn't discount vanity because the way that we look and how we feel about our look plays a large part in our mental health, right? You've had studies that show that teenagers with acne are more likely to suffer from depression. So it's not just about vanity. The way we look greatly affects the way that we feel. When people are wearing clothes that they feel slumpish or sluggish in, they're more likely to have depressed feelings. They're more likely to have increased cortisol versus when you wear something where, or you feel like you look good, your body will boost your endorphins and you'll actually feel good. So we should never discount it as vanity because what we look like is part of our health. You know what? That's such a good point. You're absolutely right because that's just another like paradigm I think we can debunk that if you feel, if you acknowledge that you feel good because of how you look, be that, you know, the way your hair is that day or the color you're wearing, that is not shallow vanity that is mental health, self-care, empowerment, and is something for us to embrace and start to really foster and feel good about as opposed to de devaluing it as something that is, you know, perhaps seen as like arrogant or conceited or unworthy. It's in fact the exact opposite. Absolutely. Because even as a doctor, the first thing I do when a patient comes in is I'm already assessing them based on what they look like. When someone is, when someone has a liver issue, the first thing that happens is their skin turns, you know, turns yellowish. That's part of your appearance. When someone has hyperthyroidism and their eyes are bulging, that's part of their appearance. When someone is dressing in a certain way that feels very slumpy for them, that's also another indicator like this person may de be depressed. So 
how we how we look that is part of our part of our health and that's a tool that we use it has nothing to do with ego and vanity when we look good we literally feel better and when it comes to physical health oftentimes when we're healthier we look better as well <laughs> well and so often when we feel good then we want to do more things that foster health and well-being absolutely because you, when you are feeling good, you're working out, you're actually eating well, you also want to want to dress well, right? And then when you see someone who, you know, otherwise at one point in their life used to dress up and then you see them out in crocs and sweats, their hair disheveled, that's, you know, an outer indicator that something is off there, right? It's not about vanity. It's just something's clearly off. And that could be something as simple as it was really hard getting the kids out the door that morning, or they're stressed about something at work or something more significant, but how we, how we choose to collect ourselves to go out in the world can be an indicator of other things that are happening is what I hear you saying. Absolutely. I mean, every time a patient comes into my clinic and they have this sort of disheveled appearance. Every single time there's either anxiety or depression on their intake form. So for people to say there's no link, there's every single time, just by looking at the way that they come into the office, I can already tell what's on their intake form. That is so interesting. Dr. Liza, I'm so grateful for this conversation. If people want to follow along, your Instagram is so joyful. I love when you're <laughs> dancing. Um, or or look to possibly, you know, getting a pair of your of your shoes or just learning more about you. Where are the best places for them to follow and look for you? So to learn more about me or follow me on social, I'm just Dr. Liza. And then my website is dr-liza.com. And then for Dr. Liza Shoes, our social is Dr. Liza Shoes and then drlizashoes.com. And we'll make sure those are all linked in the show notes below as well. So you can click right on those to follow along. Thank you so much for being here. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I'm going to evaluate all of my footwear with a new critical comfort health eye. Yes. Thank you, Donna. (laughs) (laughs) Take good care. Thank you so much for joining me here on Fashion Talks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends, your family, on your networks. It would mean the world to me. Fashion Talks is done in partnership with the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards. You can find out more about them at Kappa Awards, C-A-F-A-W-A-R-D-S on Instagram. This episode was produced by Jason Perrier. You can find him on Instagram at a Jason Perrier. You can follow the pod at Fashion Talks Pod, and you can follow me at This Is Donna B, all of us on Instagram. I hope you will join us again next week. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Mm-hmm.